And the title of today's sermon is Three More Promises That the World Can't Take Away From You. So as we begin that, Paul, we know that preached in the early church in Corinth in the early 50s and during his second missionary journey. We know that opposition grew pretty fierce there, but the Lord spoke to him and he stayed proclaiming the gift of God's promises. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50 says this, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruptible, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruptible, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would speak through me, that you would use me, that you would change my heart and my life by this message that you've given, that you would change the hearts and lives of everybody here, Lord, that when we leave this place, we can say, I have been changed, I have been brought on fire, and it had nothing to do with the preacher, but it had to do with God's word. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Our lives are based in hope. Did you know that? That our lives are based in hope. And we can hope in this and know this, that death is swallowed in victory. And the church excels in this message or it dies. And that's it. First, our hope. Hope is our basis for our lives. Hope is the basis for your life. And we're going to discuss what hope means here in a second. 1 Corinthians 15, 50, up to, up to verse 52, so two verses. Now I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In an instant, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Folks, the simple truth about all other philosophies, all other religions, all other schools of thought, all of these flesh things, is that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. I don't care what they tell you you can do to get to heaven. They're wrong. See, you can't do enough. You can't be good enough to enter into heaven. You can't go to enough church meetings to enter into heaven, though we do appreciate you coming. The simple truth is that we all are all born in sin. And the Lord revealed the depths of man's sin uh, in many scriptures. For example, Psalm 51 verse 2 says this, Wash me clean of my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. 
against you. You only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be proved right when you speak and blameless when you judge. Surely I was brought forth in iniquity. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. Isaiah 64, 6 says, Each of us has become like something unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all wither like a leaf, and our iniquities carry us away like the wind. We also know that it is the law that shows me how truly sinful that I am. And in the law of God, that is what we call the Torah, we are shown just how sinful we are. From the moment that we are born to the moment we die, there is sin all around us, in us, and through us. However, here's what we know from Romans chapter 7, what, verse 7. What then shall we say? Is the law sin? Well, certainly not. Indeed, I would not have been mindful of sin if not for the law. For I would not have been aware of coveting if the law had not said, do not covet. But sin, seizing its opportunity through the commandment, produced in me every kind of covetous desire, for apart from the law, sin is dead. Once I was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life and I died. So I discovered that the very commandment that was meant to bring life actually brought death. For sin, seizing its opportunity through the commandment, deceived me, and through the commandment put me to death. So then the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. Did that which is good then become death to me? Certainly not. But in order that sin might be exposed as sin, it produced death in me through what was good, so that through the commandment sin might become utterly sinful. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual. Sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I admit that the law is good. In that case, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. Does this mean I am like a man who is condemned to death? Yes, it does. We as humans stand condemned the moment that we are born. The moment that we are conceived, we are conceived in sin. It's a doctrine called original sin. And this isn't shouting, I see. Everybody here isn't shouting. Most of you have got your arms crossed like, "Uh uh-huh. You're telling me I'm a sinner. Yes, you're a sinner. That's okay, because we get to the good stuff next. But you see... Thanks to the shed blood of Jesus on the cross and his subsequent resurrection, the Christian stands in hope. And hope is not something that you just wish for. Like someone would say, gee, I hope I can afford this brand new Maserati. Guess what? I don't think anybody in here can afford a Maserati, and if you can, please tithe. Um, Just a thought. That's a joke. (laughs) Well, praise the Lord. You see, we as humans, we, we, we stand condemned, but hope is not just a wish. You know what that's called? That's called wishful thinking. I hope, uh, you know, that pew will hold me up. Well, that, 
that's, that's good, but like we discussed what it, last week, I can have faith that that pew will hold me up because I know by experience, or a couple of weeks ago. Here, let me tell you what hope is. Hope is the calm assurance of what is promised to come to pass. Hope is the calm assurance. I am assured that what Christ has promised will come to pass. I know and I believe in Romans 8 because of hope. I have this assurance because of hope. And that doesn't even come from me. That comes from God. Romans 8 chapter 1 says, Therefore, after, after Paul's got us all strung out on Romans 7 and saying we're all sinners and, and you know, making us all feel bad, he says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Ha! That's good. For in Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life sets you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful man as an offering for sin. He thus condemned sin in the flesh so that the righteous standard of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. The mind of the flesh is death, but the mind of the Spirit is life and peace, because the mind of the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the flesh, but by the Spirit. And if the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who lives in you. Now with all of that in mind, that's all the setup for our scripture right here. 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In an instant, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. That is our hope. That is absolutely fantastic. If you don't get excited about that, then you are dead in your sin, and you need Jesus. That gives us hope. And number two, death will be swallowed up. In victory. As a matter of fact, it's a done deal. It's said and done. 1 Corinthians 15, 53 says, For the perishable must be clothed with imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come to pass. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? We talk about being saved to the uttermost. And to be saved to the uttermost is our hope in the promise that tells us that we must be clothed with the imperishable and mortality with immortality. Why? 
Well, there's several reasons, but here's a couple that stand out to me today. Exodus 33, 19 says, I will cause all my goodness to pass before you. Moses is in the cleft of the rock. And he says, show me your face, Lord. And he says, I will cause all my goodness to pass before you. And I will proclaim my name in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he added, you cannot see my face, for no one can see me and live. You see, sin cannot be in the presence of God's full holiness and not be utterly destroyed. Sin is an abomination to God. No one can see the face of God the Father and live. No one can see all of God in his glory and live. So we need somebody to make that sin be dealt with. And that was dealt with on the cross of Calvary in Jesus Christ over 2,000 years ago. And without that, we could never see the resplendent glory of a holy God. Another reason is that we must be clothed with imperishable is because if we didn't have this corrupt flesh purged, then it wouldn't be much of a fulfilled promise, now would it? because we'd still have that sin nature to contend with in the future. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of dealing with the sin nature in my life. Romans 8, 5 says, Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. The mind of the flesh is death, but the mind of the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mind of the flesh is hostile to God, it does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the flesh cannot please God. And we know in Galatians 5.16, it says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. With the completion of our salvation, I know this. We'll be able to say with Paul, when he wrote it, O death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? We live in hope for the day that is to come. And number three, as a church, both universal and locally, we must excel or we die. 1 Corinthians 15, 55, remember? Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? Here's what Paul says about it. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and immovable. Always excel in the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. Let me clear up two things for you real quick. There are two revelations of God, as it were. One is called the natural law. Now, this is that which is around us that reveals the knowledge of God, nature. We know that there are certain things that are universal that are written on man's heart, such as do not murder. We know that murder is wrong. All around the world, no matter what religion, we know murder is wrong. These things are written on our hearts. We call that the natural revelation of God. And then number two, there is the special revelation of God. And you know what that is? That's the scriptures. It is to this revelation that Paul refers to. 
It is this that shows just how bad we are. For in it we find God's precepts, His prescriptions for how to handle both the natural and the supernatural. That means that no one, not you, not me, has an excuse before a holy God as to their sins. Not even those who haven't heard, the, heard of the Bible or the name of Jesus Christ have an excuse before a holy God. All will be judged based on the knowledge that they are given. Did you know that even Sodom will be judged less harshly than those towns that rejected Jesus' 72 preachers that he sent out? Did you know that? Well, if not, you're about to know that. Luke chapter 10. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place he was about to visit. And he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest. Go, I am sending you like lambs among wolves. Carry no purse or bag or sandals. Do not greet anyone along the road. Whatever house you enter, begin by saying peace to this house. And if a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay at the same house, eating and drinking whatever you are offered, for the worker is worthy of his wages. Do not move around from house to house. If you enter a town and they welcome you, eat whatever is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. But if you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go into the streets and declare even the dust of your town that clings to your feet we wipe off as a testimony against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazan! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to heaven? No, you will be brought down to Hades. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. And whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. 1 Corinthians, back to our main. The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable. Always excel in the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. I'll tell you something right now. I stand before, when we stand before the Bema seat of Christ as Christians, we're going to have to account for what we did or did not do as Christians. You will be asked, what did you do with Jesus? Well, I went to church. Well, okay, that's great. No, that's not how that's going to go down, folks. What did you do with Jesus? Well, I gave to the offering. Okay, great. What did you do with Jesus? I tithed. Okay, that's, that's commendable. What did you do with Jesus? I told people about the good news of Christ. Bingo. There you go, you got it. Paul says that because of all that he has said before, all that we have studied before, that we are to be steadfast, immovable. 
We're not to compromise on the cross of Christ or the truth given to us in his word. We are to be like gigantic mountains in the face of all things that come against God's truth, yet we are to excel in the work of the Lord. I can promise you one thing, church, and that is this. Hear me closely. A church that's not doing anything in its community to share the gospel is a church that is not stagnant, but it's a dying church. A church that does not share the gospel is not stagnant, but it is dying because life always multiplies. Your cells in your body right now, as they die, they're multiplying. You never are stagnant. We either move forward with the message of Jesus and the cross as a church or we die. And that's every church. The big church down the road, little churches that are smaller than us and us. We either move forward or we die. I got a revelation for you. You'll hear these guys on the, on the TV. They go, I got a revelation. I got a revelation for you. I can't make this church succeed in the spread of the gospel by myself. I have been to churches where that was expected of me. Guess what? I can't do it. It takes each and every one of us, each and every person in the pew, doing what God has called them to do to make the church grow, both spiritually and numerically. If God told, I ain't heard from God in 30 years. What's the last thing he told you to do? Teach Sunday school. Did you ever do it? No. Gee, wonder why you ain't heard from God in 30 years. Do what God has told you to do. We all have to. It takes you to spread the gospel. It takes you to make events happen. It takes you to make the church grow. Now I charge you today as Jesus charged and still charges us all. In Matthew 28, 18, he said, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The question is, O Christian in the pew, will you go or will you die? That's the choice that is put before you all today. Will you seek others and tell them the good news or not? Folks, if you're a Christian, that's your entire purpose. And if you're not doing it, guess what? God has no use for you here, and he may just take you home. I've seen it happen. That's right. Our lives are based in hope. Death is swallowed in victory, and the church either excels or it dies, as the ladies come today.